0: Thanks, sir. <laughs> Good to see you. Oh man, yeah, praise God. So, so my uh, my end goal is revival. Like, I mean, that's that's what that's what my life's about. That's what my calling's about. Is and. And I don't feel that I've, uh, I don't feel like I've even been close to touching or stepping into it yet. But you know, it's like that, uh, that thing out there, like, that's what, that's where we're going. That's what, that's what I want. Um, when when I say revival, and you may be a guest or, or even a long-time believer, and you're like, everyone's got multiple definitions. <laughs> What's that mean? And I, you know, I, I kind of look at it as, as on one hand, I have no idea what it means. <laughs> but I'm like, you know but if if we were to just kind of shoot in the dark what's revival like well obviously revival means is that something was either dead or mostly dead if you're a, if you're a princess bride fan uh, either dead or, or mostly dead, that, that God wants to resurrect or bring back to life. It has to do with life. It has to do with him breathing life on, on us, on a community, on, on bodies. I, I think it has to do with, uh, with salvation, like radical salvation where God takes souls and, and the supernatural transaction that happens where they were dead in their transgressions and now alive, revive now alive in Christ. I think it has to do with signs, wonders, and miracles. I think it has to do with an atmosphere of his presence as well as as individual um, supernatural giftings by the Holy Spirit. I think it has, I mean, it's like D all of the above. And so I don't know exactly when. I mean, we have these ideas. We read church history, and and we have uh, ideas of of revival, and and this happened in this place, and this happened in that place, and they're all kind of a little bit different. And we're like, well, what's it going to look like here? And and I, I I do know that it has to be. It's it's more than Spirit of Life Church. I, I you know the, the the closest picture I had recently was was we had like four churches together on a Sunday night a couple weeks ago, and they happened to just it was just a God thing. We didn't even plan it, and they all just came together, and and it was at least. four. There might have been others represented, and we were, they were all in this building, in this room. And I was like, oh, this, like, what if, what if revival happened, and it was here, and Grace Fellowship, and Abundant Life, in Grand Island, and Lighthouse Temple, and New Life Church, and, uh, and I don't know, whether the other ones in the, you know, first, what if it happened at First Baptist, or the Episcopal, or the whatever, you know, and you're just like, what if, what if it dropped, what if a Holy Spirit God bomb dropped? And it just it hit like 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 all of these churches and people were getting saved and, and people were getting rid of sin and people were getting you know, getting right and, and all of my catchphrases, booger crying at the altar and you know, all of those cool things. Like what if? You know, I so I think about that. I think about the end goal and I'm like, that's what that's what I want and then it's like then you come back and you're like, Oh, how do we get there? <laughs> how do we get Well there's a there's like there's like a like a two sides of the coin. There's like there's like a, really a two step process. It's God's part and our part. And there's and God's part like I don't have I I don't have any control over His part other than this is what I believe that oftentimes my part unlocks God's part. My my faith, my obedience, my surrender. That oftentimes he's like, it's like 99% him, but like this 1% that's mine, he's just saying, Jonathan, would you, would you obey me? Jonathan, would you step out in faith? Jonathan, would you forgive that person Jonathan would you release that thing Jonathan would you would you allow me just in, in my love to to clean out all the stuff that's in you Jonathan right and, and and for you too for for all of us in here for every person at the if you're in the four year watching it on the TV you don't get you don't get out of this right it's it's you too if you're in the nursery right now and you're listening you're like whoa wait a minute you're in the nursery you're hearing this right now the, we have a speaker in the nursery and um, they're listening to it this is for you it's for it's for those that are going to listen on the podcast or take the CD home. Like, this is all of us. You don't get out, you don't get to, to say, Well, I'm not part of it. It is you, and it's me. So I think about this. I think about revival, my part, his part. And as we come into 1 Corinthians 3 in this series, it's interesting because um, if you take some of these chapters out of context and you just come in, you think, Man, Paul is just angry. Have you ever read some of Paul's letters, and you're like, Paul, I would never want to know you in real life. Thank you for half the New Testament, but I would never want to hang out with you. Have you ever? <laughs> like, sometimes, right? I mean, you think, like, he was just, he was all, like, it was like Paul was a professional going to churches and spank them. Like, that's what he did. Paul, Paul would, would come in, and he would just say, this is all wrong and get right with God. And, and so, but if you take, that's why we spent some time in week one, if you weren't here in week one, where Paul takes the first, the first uh, nine verses and it was all about, hey, before we get into me telling you some things you really need to, it was like he's, uh, Keith took calls the emergency room doctor, right? Before we go into surgery, let me tell you some good stuff. And he started telling them how great they are that that god calls you to this to the higher level and he starts to talk to them about about when when you were when you were first called and 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 like you're amazing and you're loved and you are like like you are uh, the salt of the earth and you are I mean every, you think of all of the good stuff in those first 9 verses of chapter 1 I mean there's just incredible stuff. and you're thinking uh, if you've read all of first corinthians you're thinking wait a minute like does he really believe this about them does Paul really believe these first nine verses about this, this church that he spends 16 chapters? Uh, <laughs> do you really believe what you're saying, Paul? In other words, this is what Paul was doing. He says, that's not who you really are. Who you really are is this, is these nine verses, these first, in this first. I, I encourage you, if you haven't, if you weren't hear that, week, go back and, and listen to, to the first of this series. Because he's telling them, that's not who you really are. This is who you really are. But then they go into surgery. And he spends a few chapters in surgery. Anyone ever had surgery? And you're like, yeah, that's no fun. I would, I, like, I don't recommend it unless, you, unless you, uh, you need it. Because how many of you had surgery and you, on the other side you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> The, the pain's gone, so the wisdom of doctors, you know, they took out what needed to be taken out, they added what needed to be added in, and, and we're good. I, I, I see that, I see God doing that here with this church. And, and God and Paul give us an example of a truly messed up congregation in Corinth. I mean, the, the extreme of the extreme. I want. There's good news here. Is we're we are nowhere close to the dysfunction of the Corinthian church. Good news. We're we're nowhere close. However, there's things that fly under the radar. I mean, and, and soon I can't. I don't know if I'm if I'm talking about next week or, or in a couple weeks. Uh, chapter five. There's a there was a man that was sleeping with his stepmom, and I haven't at least at least haven't heard about that happening. If it's happening we 're we're talking right like i 'm saying that there was some crazy stuff when you when you read in chapter one and chapter two, and we keep going like at least i haven 't heard the extreme, but Paul takes an extreme example here, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, "This is the extreme, and yet let 's look at you here 's the extreme of all this stuff, but now hey what about you and, and, and let's let 's let the Holy Spirit. Um, even take that part and we're like, man, thank God I'm not that. He's like, well, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Jonathan. I'm talking to you. Put your name in and and let's deal with you here so that we could come out on the other end and be everything that God's called us to be. And I opened up talking about revival. We're gonna find out here, man, I can have a one-person revival, just me, in my house. But it's God's heart and God's plan that it happens corporately. And my stuff can affect all of you. And your stuff can affect all of us. In other words, that 1% where God's like, hey, I'm going to do it. But I need that, we're that 1% where he says, like, you need to deal with your whatever that is so that the body of Christ can come together and become the dwelling place of God. And I'm going to prove that hopefully here in chapter 3. You ready? Okay, Wow. <laughs> ready or not. The Corinthian church, um, we've done a lot of background in the last few weeks. And if, you, if you're new, it, uh, it was just, um, it was in a, a, the city of, Cor- of Corinth and it was a bustling city. It would have been compared to like Las Vegas or New York. It would have been that type of commerce, that type of entertainment, that type of, of all kind of, you know, the, the best schools and, and the, the worst sins. I mean, it was all of that stuff. And in fact, there was a, uh, a there was a term um, in that era, that, uh, that meant to live like a Corinthian. People would just say, "Oh, you're living like a Corinthian," and really, what they meant was to be sexually out of control. And the question was, I mean, because four years before this letter, Paul Paul starts this church. He's there in Corinth for eighteen months, and he and he's he's he starts plants this church in the midst of that culture. And you got to imagine in Paul's mind. I, I plant this church. I spent 18 months here. The goal is is that this church is going to affect culture. This church is going to permeate this city that, that I'm going to be able to come back later and find that, that there is more light um, than there was before, right? That, that there's less darkness, right? And he gets reports four years later that, oh, wait a minute. What I started, the, what the goal was, we're like, we're reversed. And now the culture of the city is affecting the church, and so one of the ideas here for us is, is uh, are we influencing them or are they influencing us? Is, is the culture out there, inf- uh, like, are, is, that, is that the top? Is, is that the thing that's, uh, that's, uh, uh, where, that I'm living by? Is it kind of seeping in? Or, or am I, like, becoming everything that God's called me to be and influencing culture, influencing my friend, influencing family members? And that was kind of that starting place here, uh, the backdrop of Corinth. And so today, I want to talk about God's dwelling place. God's dwelling place, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. And the thought today is, we together are a dwelling place for God. So it's imperative that we guard unity. We together are a dwelling place. We start off in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 and and Paul says this he says brothers and sisters i could not address you as people who live who live by the spirit but as people who are still worldly mere infants in Christ and i started off right off the bat, first verse, is, is it's important for us to know he's addressing brothers and sisters. And this was, it was often a, um, a term. Some of your Bibles say brothers, and, and, and the, the idea in the original language, it was all of them. It wasn't just males, it was also females. It was brothers and sisters, and, and it meant believers. He was talking to Christians. It, this wasn't unbelievers. It's important to understand that Paul's talking to those who call themselves believers. He says, when I, when I first came to you, four years ago, I couldn't address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants. It was as if you were just an infant. I have an infant, uh, a little bit older than an infant, 10-month-old. And, man, Becky mentioned a few weeks ago on a Sunday night service that, that man, it, it is interesting. Like, she cries and cries and cries because she wants to eat. And in Becky's mind, she's thinking, Like every every day I feed you. Like on time. You've never missed a feeding. And yet you cry. Right? And that's what a a mere infant. It's like, in other words, it's all about you. It's, it's all about you. You're just living like, 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 like just a, a baby Christian where it's, it's all consumer. You're not producing anything yet. It's all like when I first came to you four years ago and I just started giving you the gospel, you're still just kind of acting like a baby where it's all about you and you're not producing. You're just lying there eating milk off the breast and, and pooping in your diaper and crying. And that's what you're doing what you're doing and so he goes on in verse two he says he says I gave you milk not solid food for you were not yet ready for it and indeed four years later you're still not ready he's shocked he's like you you have not like you are still in the same place you were the milk. It meant it was the the basic, simple yet foundational gospel. It was Jesus, His death, burial, and resurrection. It was like that. Like how many know? Like that is foundation. That is that is its meat. Like we will still be preaching His His death, burial, and resurrection till we're we're hundred and ten. Like it's it's meat, but the way it's packaged is hey, let me just break this down real simple so you understand. He's like, you're still drinking milk. You haven't gone on to the deeper things yet. He goes on to verse 3, and he says, you are still worldly. Like when I first met you, Billy Graham would say um, that famous song, Just As I Am, right? And, And the whole idea was, just as you are, come to Jesus. Anybody agree with that? That that's a good idea, to come just as you are. You don't have to clean up your life first. You come just as you are to Jesus. And, and, but the idea here is don't stay that way. He's telling them, just as I am. Like, that's how you came. That's how you came. And four years later, that's still how you are. And that's not a good idea. That's what he said. He says, you are still worldly, for since, and this is how, he's like, this is how I know. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And some people, well, what does that even mean? Like mere humans. You want to know what it means? Here, watch it in this translation, the Passion Translation. It says this, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh Ask yourself, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, what does it do? This proves that you're living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, and behaving like unbelievers. Let's go back to chapter one, first nine verses, please. It's so important to remember those first nine verses because otherwise we're like, man, I hate this stuff. I hate this stuff. I hate this stuff. Stop talking about that stuff. Man, behaving like unbelievers. He's not calling them unbelievers. He says, I can't tell a difference between the two of you. I came here and I laid a foundation. I expected like four years later for, for there to be difference. He's like, you still look like that. My goodness. And so we were like, is he, like, is he like, like trying to like spank the church? Like am I trying to like spank spirit? of Life? No, not at all. Not at all. We, we take an, ex, an extreme situation like this and then we say, Lord, Lord, what do you want to show me about this? And I, I guarantee you that there's, that there's some of us that are, that are mature in our walk and, and, and rocking it as in, in our walk with the Lord. And there's some of us that are, we're at all different levels and we're all on a journey. But he's talking to us as a church. He's talking to us corporately as a church, as one body. And so one of the specific situations in their church was division over which leader to follow. In fact, in, in verse 4, it says, for, for when one says, I, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Uh, and, and in fact, some people were following Peter, and they're like, like, no, this is the best leader. No, this is the best leader. No, no, what about this one? And, and they, were, they were having these arguments. In fact, these groups, these factions, would rise up, and this, this group was the Paul group, and they're against the Apollos group, and the Apollos group is against the Peter group, and they're all like, no, we're the right ones. And then there were these other ones that would rise up, they weren't even part of any of those, and they're just like, no, you know, we don't even need those guys, we just need us. And it was, it was getting kind of crazy. And so Paul, for the next few verses, talking about the specific issue of division and and jealousy and and elevating one person over the other, he was talking about the specific thing in this church. How many know there's other things in other churches? In the book of Revelation, the angel of the Lord tells John to write seven letters to seven churches. And there was different issues in each of them that were keeping them from everything that God wants them to be. In this church, Paul's addressing this. He goes on for a few verses and he's he's like he's like let's stop this division stuff. He's like I'm just Paul. I'm not like I'm not like Jesus. You should be following Jesus, not Paul. I just all I did I I planted. He uses the example of like a garden. He's like I planted the seed. Apollos isn't anything. He just watered the seed and then God like brought supernatural growth. Let's give credit to God. Is this just like, I mean, is this, you're like, yeah, this is real simple, right? Just real simple. This isn't that. But this is how they were were living. In other words, he's like, you're acting like the planting is the best. In fact, there were these groups. The planting part, that's the most important. Anyone believe the planting part is the most important? Anybody over here? The watering part, that's the most important. And that's exactly how silly it sounded. No, it's more important to plant. No, it's more important to water. And Paul's like, hello. How about it's more important that God causes it to grow? You're, I don't, all of these words came in my mind just now, and I'm just going to Holy Spirit check. But get over yourselves, is what he was saying. He's like he's like you know Apollos and I. We're just like coworkers in God's kingdom. We're like we're just doing one percent and he does ninety nine. He's like in, in the same way he used the example of the garden and he goes on and, and he and he talks about he's like it, it's also like like if you were a garden. He's also it's it's as if you were a building. And I'm the master builder. I laid a foundation and actually the foundation was Jesus. You can't ever change that foundation and I just laid it. But it was it's all about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. I'm the master builder. And then Apollos comes along and he builds some bricks on it. And then he starts to give some some uh, uh, caution and warning because he's like, and all of you, you're going to build on this too. And be careful how you build. Are, are you using gold or silver or precious stones or are you using like wood, hay and straw? Because to the, the foundation is going to stay the same. But depending on what you use, he starts talking about the end times and that there's a judgment coming. He uses this verse. Verse 12, it says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, and it's talking about the, um, the last day, the 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 judgment, The day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with what? Fire! And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. What work are we talking about? We're in the people business. (laughs) He's not talking about brick and mortar. He's not talking about actual seed and actual water. He's talking about people. He's like, I came here to build you and to build the body of Christ that we're all. First Peter says it's living stones. And and he says, like we're 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 a building here. I'm building you. And he's like, so so as you build this thing. Because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work if what has been built survives the builder will receive a reward if it's burnt up the builder will suffer great loss but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames one version says barely escaping and i want to just tell you real quick like this uh, this is not talking about heaven versus hell This is not talking about um, your salvation. This is talking about, have you ever heard someone say that they're going to make it to heaven by the skin of their teeth? I don't know. Uh, There's a whole lot of of theological conundrums. uh, And I'm not going to answer them all for you. But I do know that it's in the Bible here. And guess what? There will absolutely be rewards in heaven. You will be rewarded for what you have done or you'll not get rewards based on what you haven't done. Like and it's going to be solely based on you, not compared to anybody else. It's going to be compared you to you. You'll be rewarded based on how faithful you were to live out and walk out the specific calling of God that God has for your life. And based on how well you did exactly what God called you to do individually, there'll be rewards. I think when we get to and and there'll be there'll be not only rewards. There's going to be roles. There's going to be ranks. There's going to be people in charge of cities. I mean, it's going to be incredible. You read that. That's just uh, that's just Bible. I don't have enough time to prove it to you, but just uh, trust me. I mean, there's going to be we're going to rule and reign with him. I think that there's going to be people that on this earth we think, well, man, they're going to be like the mayor of that part of the kingdom and. Like, of course, and and they're gonna we're gonna get there, and they're like they're the um, I don't want to yeah Dude, when we get, I say it in my head, and I'm like, well, that means that that's a menial job, you know, whatever you would say would be a menial job. That they're that's all they're doing. There's the doorkeeper, and there's gonna be people. In our life and in our sphere of influence that we look at, and we're like, man, it, man, it doesn't seem like they're really even like making it happen. And they're going to be like ruling cities. Does that make sense? I think there's going to be people that make it that we're like, I can't. How did you get here? I think people there's that there, there aren't going to be there, and we're going to look on the list. How? Where are they? Does that make sense? Are we, are we all on, this, on the same page here? And so he's talking here. He's not talking salvation. He's talking rewards. He's like, based on how you build, are you building your kingdom? Are you, are you doing it your way? Are you making exceptions? In, in a couple chapters, we're going to talk about uh, what are you tolerating? Are you, are you, what are you proud of that you're tolerating? Like, we're, we're a grace church, and we are proud that we tolerate this thing in our society. We're Christians and we tolerate this big taboo issue. And and he's and he's he's addressing these types of things. But go back first first nine verses, but I love you and you're this isn't who you really are. But, but here's some hard things to hear. He's like, "So we're just builders. Apollos and I, we're just like builders, and, and you guys are builders, and, and be careful how you're building. Well, what kind of material are you using? Because in that day, man, it, it, it's going to be tested with fire, and the stuff that, that passes the test, it's going to be purified. As, this is gold, and this is silver, and this is precious stones, and the stuff that's not going to pass the test, it's going to be burned up, and you're barely going to escape. Barely, just barely. You're going to escape, just barely, as one barely escaping the flames. How many know that's just super encouraging? <laughs> it's just like like i just felt all the holy spirit goosebumps on that not really not really and f- building on the example of being builders and building this building he flips the script here and he starts to talk about a spiritual temple and he says this that that we're this like metaphorical Temple, like like the the temple in the in the Old Testament, and the, where the where the manifest the Bible calls it the Kabbad, the glory of God rested in it. That's where His presence was. He's like He's like in the same way. He says, verse sixteen, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And it's a really interesting verse because. We've been part of a of a culture, at least through my lifetime, and, and probably a lot of yours, that that it's like um, there's a huge emphasis on what God does individually with the individual. It's it's about it's about my salvation. It's about me being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's about my thing, my gift, all of this stuff. And and there's a place for that. But the pendulum was stuck over, over there, and it's time for the pendulum to come back a little bit because. Do you know what he's not talking about in this verse? He's not talking about the individual. There's other places. Like like even a few chapters later in chapter six, um, uh, Paul talks about your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about you collectively. Together we are, all of us, we are the temple. Think about it for a second. As the body of Christ and, and here in, in this church, Spirit of Life Church, now th- th- this isn't even talking collectively across the city of Kearney and across the state of Nebraska and across the nation or worldwide church, but, but just here at this church, do you know that we are the body of Christ? And if Paul were standing here, he would say, you together collectively are a temple. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. And then some of you have read ahead and you're like, let's skip the next verse. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. All right, well, see you later. It's been a good day, guys. This is a New Testament verse. Don't you expect these verses in like the Old Testament like, I don't know, like one of the kings or one of the, pla- I mean, you know, where they call down fire from heaven and consume like a whole city or something like that. Like, but here in the New Testament, in Paul's letter to the Corinth, to the Corinthian church, he, he says, man, it is so important that God's spirit dwell in your midst, and you guys are God's temple. If anybody destroys God's temple, or destroys what? You, the collective body. Of Christ that come together as building blocks to be a dwelling place, to be a what? A a home. A home for God. He's like, You guys are my home. Not just you individually in your heart, but you collectively as a church, you're my home. And he says, if anybody destroys that, It's like God will destroy that person for the temple is sacred and together you're that temple. And you say, well, Pastor Jonathan, what's that mean? I'm just gonna be honest with you. I have no clue. I I have some ideas and I get to study this stuff. But you know, people have been studying verses like that for centuries and there's like four or five ideas. I'll tell you what, the scary thing is, is we don't know. What he's talking about is this talking about like salvation like if somebody comes in and destroys the unity is this like a salvation thing that person goes to hell and all of us get saved I, You know, is it talking like a few verses earlier when he says that that you'll barely escape the flames maybe it's that maybe it's that concept like that they're just barely gonna escape it i don't know maybe it's that i mean is it like, like they, they still get to go to heaven, but there's just lots of consequences? I don't know. I don't know, but what I do know. We, we, we focus a lot on what we don't know. How <laughs> me know that. There's a lot of weird stuff that comes out when we focus on what we don't know. This is what I do know is unity is really important to God. You know what I do know is, He wants a dwelling place for his presence. And it's so important that this weird scriptures here that we don't know what it means. And, and he's saying, I value a dwelling place for me to live. I, I value you guys being a home for me to dwell. I value that so much that if somebody destroys that, it's bad news. It's bad news. It, it, you know, this, this thing, it, it's, it, this isn't just a father wanting his kids to get along so that he can have peace and quiet. I, I, I think about that sometimes because I, I have three younger ones. And there's been times, there's been times recently, I'm sitting there, it's been the end of a long day. Any of you ever been there if you've had kids and, and you're just sitting there and what do you want? You just want to relax, you want to unwind. And I, I kid you not, we have had all three girls crying and screaming at the same time. Six-year-old, three-year-old, 10-month-old, all crying, all screaming. My two older ones, they're fighting in the other room. How often do I say, Hey, because when Daddy says "Hey," everything stops. Yes, knock it off. She started it. The funny thing is, is when my two younger ones, because Lydia is ten months old and Aria is three, and how many times is Aria? She hit me. I mean, she's ten months old, Aria. She was probably trying to love you. She was probably trying to, like, like, love pull your hair. Like, she was probably, you know, what are you talking about, Arya? She hit me. She, start, she started it. Like, she doesn't even, she can't talk yet. She can't start anything. <laughs> but I sit here as a parent sometimes, and Becky and I were sitting, we were just sitting in our chairs, and we look at each other, and we both know, like, this is chaos. I just want what? Peace and quiet. Do you know that that's not what he's talking about? God's not talking about that here. His motive isn't just so that we, I just want you to get along. He's not saying that. I mean, that's a good byproduct of unity. I just want them to get along. That's not what he's talking about. You know what, what his motivation is? I just want to dwell among them. I just want my presence to be there. In other words, I want revival. And they talk about it. They talk about the results of revival, what they want. I don't know. The, uh, everything I'm hearing, all of the division, all of the jealousy, all of the, all of the slander, all of the bitterness, all of the unforgiveness, all of these things. He's like, like I hear what you're saying. I don't think you want it. I want to dwell among you and I don't think you really want me there. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. We, we come back to this idea of, of the temple and, and what destroys the temple, what destroys unity, us being the temple. And it's like, it's the verse 3. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 3. I'll read it again in the Passion. It says, For if you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh, Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves you're living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, behaving like unbelievers. And I just, I stand here before you and I, I tell you this, just like I did at the beginning, my end goal is Revival. Is it yours? I don't know. It doesn't have to be, but for for me it is. And the funny thing is, is if like the pastor's goal is that, that means that's where we're going. And it also means that my individual stuff can affect it. Because it sounds like what Paul's saying here is that one person can decide, I don't want that. And I'm not willing to Allow God to deal with my stuff, and so I'm going to disrupt what God's doing. This is the love, the loving Father saying, "Hey guys, let's deal with our stuff. If we want that, we got to deal with this." Any of you ever just like, like uh, you want the the you know the end product of working out, <laughs> but you're like, I'm just not sure. <laughs> You want the end product of the diet of the lifestyle oh no not diet lifestyle change right <laughs> you're, and then and then two days in you're like this is hard this is so hard you know I'm more committed to cake than I am to my body I'm more committed to whatever it is than and I'll tell you, this is, this is that, I mean, I know for years this church that we, there's prophecies about revival. There's, there's words that in the, we, we've all been pressing in. I bet if we were to just take a poll or if everyone comes up to the mic, you'd all say, I want it, I want it, I want it. And this is just that place where God's just saying, I want it too. I actually want it more than you. I actually want it more than you, I think God would say. And he says, hey, how bad do you want it? In other words, have you counted the cost? And the first cost is you personally and me personally. That's the first cost. Where I sit here before God and I just allow, like, like King David said in the Psalms, search me and know me. Would you see if there's anything inside me? Is there any bitterness? Is there any envy? Is there any jealousy? Is there any um, unconfessed sin? Is there anything that's ongoing? That, that Am I moving towards him or am I moving away from him? He's like, would you, would you allow my Holy Spirit to take his big mag light and shine it in areas because to the level that you allow him to go with you to a place of hurt and pain and junk and all of that is the level that we're gonna have revival in this church. And come back next week, please, because we'll keep, keep going after this. Yeah. The re- the revelation and the realization, you can come. The revelation and the realization that my stuff can affect you. That's it's just I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. Oh God, I don't want to. I don't want to hold them back. I don't want to affect. No, no. And so I'm just like, oh God, deal with, because I. I want this place to be a dwelling. I want you to be able to habitate here. And I, God, if there's anything in me, oh Lord, I want revival. Oh Lord, would you just take a minute before the Lord right now? I will tell you what, he's he's a gentleman. He loves you. He's for you. He really is. I think he'd say, "Hey, go back to the first nine verses of the book." I just want to remind you that I love you and that this isn't who you really are. Whatever that thing is, what would you allow the loving Father to say your name and say, hey, what about this thing? What about this thing? There may be a person in this room or part of this church. We have about 150, 160 people come on a weekend normally on average, and but there's probably about 300 people that call themselves spirit of lifers and there may be someone that comes to mind in this church body and you're just like man i i need to make it right what if you making it right unlocked revival what if you owning your 10 percent of the issue unlocked Revival that broke out all over this city? What if, what if you just making a choice that God, I'm going to be right before you and right before people. I, I want to be a, a building block of this temple so that you can have a house here. Just take a minute just sitting right where you're at and allow Holy Spirit to highlight things. I just feel his presence right now. He's a loving God. He's not angry. He's in a good mood. He just wants to see us being absolutely, fully who he's called us to be. Because he loves us. Holy Spirit, come. Come. stand together as we get ready to close here and some of you if the Lord's been talking to you throughout this um, this may be a time you may need to just do business with God you may need to like not leave here until you've done business with God if you're on the altar team today you can come forward you may want to pray with somebody today you may want to come up and just kneel and if you're kneeling in the altar um We'll just assume that you're doing business and no one will touch you but you may want to just come forward and just like get on your face before god maybe you want to turn around and get on your chair and make your chair an altar i don't know what it is but lord we just want you we don't want anything to hinder whenever you're ready why don't you just respond to the lord in this room pastor kelly would you lead us